Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. It won't be like this forever, so just enjoy it while it's here. It's a really wonderful thing. And James Bay. It's about me. It's about my relationship with Lucy. It sums up so much of what went into writing this whole album. We're all works in progress. I still don't necessarily know who I am. And Depeche Mode's Dave Gahan remembering the late, great Andy Fletcher. I'll be honest with you, the first thought that came in my head was, I wish I'd been a bit kinder. Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash virginradiouk. Our next guests are about to turn back the clock, literally and metaphorically, with their first tour in 36 years. The In Concert 2024 tour kicks off in London next month. But first, live at the top of the tower with their iconic single, Shattered Dreams, we all love... Johnny hates jazz! Now you've given me, given me Nothing but shattered dreams, shattered dreams Feel like I could run away, run away From this empty home Control room, what do you feel about that? Come on! Yes, control room! Yes, Johnny hates jazz! Wow! Good morning, welcome to Clark Dashler, Mike Nacito and Nick Keeble. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Chris. You are more than welcome. That was amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my goodness. When did you first explode onto our airwaves? When was it? What was the tipping point? What was the year? Where did you come from? Where have you been ever since? Please speak to all that. Off you go. So basically our life story. Yes, please. Uh, Well, we, we came to prominence in 1987 with Shattered Dreams. And um, you know what? Actually, no one had seen us until we got into the top 40. No one knew what we looked like, which might have been a good thing, actually. (laughs) And then, of course, the big thing back then was you needed to get on top of the pops because that would be, you know, what would propel you forward. And that happened. And um, and it actually spread all over the world then. From there on, Shattered Dreams kind of became a a thing. So Shattered Dreams was the blue touch paper, basically. That was the launch pad. And then we had uh, other great songs. You're going to play a couple more for us in a moment. I can't believe you're here. It's so cool, guys. It's so cool. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. Oh, it's so nice to see you again. Long Uh, time. You look fantastic. You're sounding amazing. Um, I remember... Did did, I imagine this? I do have... Am I remembering or have I imagined you playing tennis... In in the Sun, it was in in the Sun newspaper. A big article in the Sun. You playing tennis with Mike Reed? Did that yeah, happen? It was a roadshow, Birmingham roadshow, I think it was. Yeah, Radio One roadshow. Yes. And so you did end up playing tennis with Mike Reed. Yeah. We beat him as well. Okay. No, 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 we won. Oh, by the way, well done, because he quite fancied himself yeah. at tennis, didn't he? 
Yeah, yes. he did, absolutely. And he was good, but we were slightly better. We, we talked better. about it all the time. All right, so the big radio on road shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you you sort of, it worked all over the world. You travelled well. Tell us about overseas and you and everywhere. Yeah, well, we after Shattered Dreams and then we had I Don't Want to Be a Hero, Turn About the Clock and a few others. And, and that took us literally all over the world. Shattered Dreams came out a year later in 88, went to number two in the US. And shortly after that, we parted ways very early on. And actually, me and Mike didn't speak for 20 years. 22. Well, to each other or at all to anyone? No, to, no we, we had gone to the David Lloyd Club, actually, and were practising the not doing anything. Um, now, Mike, you just started chuckling straight away. So clearly, whatever was wrong isn't anymore. Mike, just, just why are you, why no, well, are you giggling No, it was 22 away? years. And so one day, uh, 22 years later, Clark called me and I said, hey, Clark. So it was literally like just your brother had, you hadn't spoken to him for a while, and yeah. it's the way it is, isn't so it? So were you one album in? Was there a second album? I can't remember. No. There wasn't a second album with the, no. with the, the we no. were originally a trio. Right. And then, so uh, 22 years later, we got together and decided to do a, a new album, an album called Magnetized. And since then, we've done a couple of others. We're going to do another one. Um, coming up. But our big thing, of course, is that we're going on tour this year. You uh, are going on yeah. tour. Okay, let me talk about that. So, in concert 2024, Johnny H. Jazz, uh, they're kicking off in March, uh, Boysdale, London, uh, March 28th, and they play all the way through to Christmas. So, there's a big Christmas gig at the Indigo at the O2 on December the 19th. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, there's dates in March, dates in April, and there's May and June and September and October. You're very sensibly taking July off gentlemen because you are now wise <laughs> and if you want to go and get tickets johnnyhjazz.com for everything Johnny H. Jazz. they are back 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 they're back together johnnyhjazz.com so when we were all young and foolish we were all young and foolish uh, how old were you when you met how long did Johnny H. Jazz last for in the original incarnation and how old were you when you parted ways well, when we met, I mean, me and Mike probably met when I was eighteen. Mike. Yeah, and and then where, where, what happened? Well, actually, it all everything centered around a, a recording studio not far from here called Rack Studios yeah. in St John's Wood, and that was owned by the legendary record producer Mickey Most. Yeah. Mike was uh, an engineer at Rack Studios. I was signed to Mickey as a singer-songwriter, and our third member Calvin uh, was Mickey's son. And so we all kind of gravitated by happenstance together. Is that Calvin Hayes? Yes. Yeah, God, yeah. I remember Calvin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but only the two of us now. So um, then Johnny H. Jazz, in its entirety, we, we were together about a, a couple of years. And but, then, but, but from Shadow Dreams to the end was only 10 months which is remarkable. The records have just lasted on the radio all yeah. this time. So it's the ultimate mic drop, really. You just got in there, just <laughs> yeah. did it, had all the fun, and then then left it. Yes. Um, what was that What was that like? Was, was there... We can talk about it, can't we? So was there any regret? Not instantly, because there never is, because, you know, because um, whatever happened, happens, and there's a sort of... There's a sort of uh, an energy that carries on going for that. But two or three years later, do you think, oh, what did we do that for? Actually, um, I think the thing is, of course, you, you have to celebrate how your life has turned out and the experiences you've had. But years later, I think there was always a nagging feeling with me that there was somehow unfinished business. Yeah. And I don't mean business in a cold way. I mean, there was still more to do creatively. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, there's, an, there's a song on our album, Magnetized, called The Road Not Taken, which is about that. Brilliant. It's about yeah, that's a beautiful song. 
Yeah. Brilliant. I love, well, I love the sentiment for a start. Um, it's funny, though, isn't it? Do you think, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, I've walked away from things, you know, and I've flounced out and I've said, oh, that's not for me, uh, blah, blah, blah. But actually, if I'm being really honest in the fullness of time, it was because I feared then not replicating the success that brought about that moment. And I didn't want to know if I couldn't do it again. I just preferred to pretend that I could. I chose not to. Any of that going on with you guys? That's a really interesting viewpoint. Uh, probably, yes. Yes. It's a difficult one because um, on, on one hand, we were very confident. We'd done well. It was happening for us. It was really happening for yeah. you guys. And, but, of course, it, it, whenever you see someone who's got any kind of cockiness about them, you know that that's shielding some great insecurity. And so I think there was a sense of that as and well. And it comes with the territory. But, I mean, clearly you're very accomplished. The, the, you know, your songs are beautiful. And so, so what, did you, what did you do with where they came from once you were no longer together? How did you, how did you not get rid of it? But w where did that energy go? Where did that creativity go? Well, we both kept working in our own ways. You know, um, Mike actually was produced some great records. Yeah. Um, For example, Mike. give us some. Well, no, I produced the winning song of the 1997 Eurovision Song Contest, Katrina and the Waves. So um, and and a few other things. And were you were you happy? Was there any sort of quiet um, uh, quiet melancholy about you? Did, was there a chronic low-fi melancholy, or were you cool? Were you happy? Uh, was it all okay? I, I was I was good. I mean, I, I moved to Holland, then I moved to the United States. I built a solar-powered studio in Arizona. I was you know <laughs> living it. <laughs> yeah, I, I went on quite a journey. And so, and and, and it was By an the adventure. Way, great answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, there's no kind of floating pontoon with anyone from Dragon's Den. It's not similar. But, it's you know, the, it's, it's the close. desert version, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Who came to your studio? Who came to your solar powered studio? Oh, it was just me. I mean, actually, did it. I, I was before that. I was based at Real World Studios, Peter Gabriel's studio. So I was very much involved in yeah. the world music scene. Met a lot of musicians down there. So David Rhodes, who's Peter Gabriel's guitarist. Yeah plays on a lot of our stuff now. Right. Um, it, uh, recorded stuff until the wonderful Nick Keeble came along. And yeah, hi, Nick. Him. How are you doing? Welcome to the morning, gang. Morning, I'm great, thanks. How's it feel? Wonderful, isn't it? Okay, because yeah. you can speak independently, can't you? You're like a neutral in, in between all this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, tell us how how it fits for you or what the flavour feels like, uh, the reminiscence of, of the past from the two guys. Tell us what you want that's interesting. Well, this is, a, I mean, this is great opportunity, obviously. This, I don't know the word for it, but the feeling of... Being nostalgic for something that I didn't experience in the first place. <laughs> it must be a That's word. That's it. The Finns yeah. will have a word for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Finns have a word for Absolutely. everything that we all want words for, but we don't have. <laughs> do you know about this? Do you know, Mike, do you know about the Finns? So the Finns have a word for the satisfaction of experiencing a freshly plumped cushion. As the Japanese have a word for the dissatisfaction of a new haircut. Oh, yeah, I'd love to know that oh, word. I'd need to know that. Yeah. But I think what you've just come up with there is, yeah. is that we need a word for um, feeling like you're experiencing nostalgia because you are, but you shouldn't be able to because you're not qualified. Exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, what an ethereal journey you've had, Clark. And you always had that about you. You know, when you used to come in on shows that I used to work on, not, not uh, present, but I used to work around, and you came in as guests, you and Calvin and Mike, and it was all wonderful. It was great. You they, you came in and you weren't the typical pop band. Um, and I could go on more about that, but you just weren't. So, and so, uh, some other bands weren't either. You know, Icicle Works weren't, and pe people like that. You know, all those great bands. You, you came in. 
And the out and out pop bands were fantastic. Your haircut 100s, your human leagues. Of course they were. The 80s was an amazing, amazing era for music. And people now, well, not now, but maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they look back at it a bit of a, a soft, big hair, shoulder pads, kind of a bit of a pastiche uh, musical era. But if you talk to the songwriters of the time, they were all rock and rollers. And the songs, a lot of the songs, a lot of Duran Duran songs are really hard rock songs at the heart of them. In the acoustic demos, they sound like rock songs. And then they started to produce them with that 80s sound. And you had that when I met you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, we, we've talked about this a lot, me and Mike. The fact is is that we were all kids of the 70s. Yep. We grew up listening to 100%. the great songwriters of the 60s and, and the 70s. 60s yeah. yeah, and they taught me how to write just by listening to them. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had that kind of classic songwriter sensibility back then. Yeah. We didn't make records and write as we went along, which is, tends to be the more modern way. Yeah. So... It had to. The song had to stand up on its own, on a piano, on a guitar, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And I think that actually worked well for us. You're right, though. It was a, the particular moment in time, so there was there were particular production values. And on the other hand, we always felt like we kind of, you know, we were. Were we eighties? Were we not? I guess a lot of bands felt that as well. Were, was our sound exactly? It wasn't exactly Human League, was it? No, no, not at all. No, but that was the thing about that decade. It was incredibly varied, way more than it's it's remembered for. I well, think. I, I think may, way more than it was remembered for. I really don't think that anymore. I think the eighties. We have an eighties station, Virgin Radio eighties plus, and I think the the eighties music now has a genuine, genuine signature sound of its own, which is spectacular. And I think I think the eighties to us is what the 60s was to our mums and dads. I think it's that good and I think it's got that much of its own sound to it. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I agree. Uh, yes. <laughs> when you were around producing before you formed Johnny H Jazz, what, who, who were you working with? What I kind was of working in the studio, great studio. So I worked with Pink Floyd, The Police, Duran Duran, oh, The on. Thompson hang Twins, on. The hang Cure. On. Hang on. So... <laughs> You so I was able to Floyd. observe all of these amazing people. I was just the T-boy to start with, just watching them. Just like someone in the room watching you. Yeah, they yeah. learn everything. Wow. So it was great. So when, you... when the Johnny Jace Jazz came along, we were able to make the records ourselves. There was no one else in the room. Yeah, you didn't the need them. Didn't need them. Cool, super cool. Um, we talked about Pink Floyd earlier because if you go to ChatGPT and ask Pink, ask it for the top 10 albums of all time, it puts um, Dark Side Dark of the Moon at number moon. one yeah. and it puts Thrill at number two and it puts Sgt. Pepper at number three and on it goes from there. I didn't know until my 15-year-old son, as of last Saturday, told me last night that Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon is only 42 minutes long. <laughs> Only for that's a really long album for vinyl. Is it, is it really 42, 42 minutes? <gasps> yeah. 36 minutes is the. I didn't know this. The, Why did oh I not no. know this? Oh, God. that's It must be quiet. If you play it, it must be a quiet. Because of the thinness of the grooves. Yes. I just thought, I mean, I always see Dark Side of the Moon as a double gatefold album. It wasn't, but I just see it as that because my bro had like triple gatefold albums and he used to unfold his new albums as he brought them home. They used to sort of envelop the living room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just yeah. seemed bigger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, your journey, though, um, uh, Clark. You know, if you think about where you were from and the, the music that you you achieved together with um, Calvin and Mike, and then you go to Holland, right? Yeah. That speaks volumes to me, 
right? What, you're going to go to Holland. There's a vibe in Holland. There's lots of different vibes. There's the obvious vibe that people could laugh about, but Holland is a very, very vibey place. You know, you're on your way to Scandinavia, which is one of the vibiest places on the planet. And then you go from there to where's the next stop? Next stop is actually Bath, so Real World Studios. So, so you go to Peter Gabriel's vibe, yeah. which has got its own sort of, you know, universal planetary thing going on. Because he's, so. he's, I mean, what a guy, you yeah. know. Oh, he's a great fella. And weirdly, I and kind of... Studio's got magic in it, hasn't it? It has, and it still does. I was only there recently, and uh, it's still got a lovely vibe about it. Well, it's interesting because I've always had this kind of affinity with the the Genesis crowd because after, uh, to cut a long story short, after uh, being in Bath for some years, I went to the United States in Arizona for many years recording my own stuff. I became very environmentally focused. Yep. And um, then when I came back, Johnny Ace Jazz reformed, and I was asked to write with Mike Rutherford for Mike and the Mechanics. So I worked on the Let Me Fly album and the Out of the Blue album. And that kind of, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what it is. I've always loved Genesis. I've always loved Peter Gabriel. And there is some kind of interesting um, commonality, yeah, I think. Yeah. But I have to say, when I first wrote with Mike Rutherford, he just sat, we sat down at his home and we were just going to see how it went. Or rather, he was going to see how it went. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he played a couple of <laughs> chords and uh, my jaw internally dropped in the sense that I thought, oh my goodness, I'm listening to Genesis. There was no one else who plays like him. Yeah. Quite incredible. It yeah. was such a learning experience. I yeah. loved it. It's the same with um, Brian May, isn't it? You know, we had this in-house band uh, who are as good as it gets on a TV show once. And we were doing a Queen thing one week. And our guitarist, Mark, who is as good as guitarist could possibly be, he said, look, Chris, I, got I can't do the Brian May part. I can't do it. I can't get it. I can do it. I can, don't worry, people at home won't notice. But believe me, it's nothing like Brian. He just couldn't get there. Yeah. Some it, people play like only they can play. Exactly. And no matter what their skill level, it doesn't matter. Because, they, you know, Mike Rutherford would be the first to say there are other players who are faster players than him. Yeah, yeah. But there's no one that plays like him. He's yeah. quite remarkable. Isn't it great talking about this stuff? Yeah. I love this stuff. It's, and then you go to Arizona. It's, that's a very doody navigation, my friend. Yeah, Arizona's cool. And one of the things I loved about it is that it's totally different to Britain. Yeah. And I needed that. I needed to just be in a very different environment. And I'd been in California before that. I'd lived there. I was a young songwriter when I was 17 at Warner Brothers. And so I kind of returned to the States in some ways. And Arizona just, it, it's, you know what it is? It's that the Native American presence is still very much yeah, there. Yeah. Whether you actually are with Native American people or it's the presence of the land, which yep. is very inspiring. So I love it there still. I, I love you talking about it. I hope when you go on this tour, which kicks off in March, johnnyhjazz.com for brand new Johnny H. Jazz dates. Yes, you heard that correctly. Johnny H. Jazz are back on the road. johnnyhjazz.com uh, from March all the way through to December. A special big gig. Today the band are announcing a special headline show at the O2 Indigo in Greenwich. That's the Christmas show on the 19th of December. I hope you do a bit of chat in between because your story's great and your love for the music is great. Do you think you might do that? Will it be? Will there it... definitely will be. Yeah. It's not, in, in fact, you have to shut me up sometimes. So, you know, so yeah, definitely. You should come and work here. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a point. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and at them, come on, things to do. Don't cheer, you'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them. No stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose. Food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio. All right, what are you going to play for us next? Uh, we're going to do I Don't Want to Be a Hero. Perfect, thank you. Johnny H. Shaz live at the top of the tower. And that's why I... I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to die for you, no, no. I don't want to be a hero. Songwriting, pure songsmithing, it's all there. That's beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen. That that was beautiful. It's not over yet. I just want to say thank you for that bit. Thank you, Chris. Oh, my goodness me. How does it feel playing the songs after all these years? Wonderful, actually. And and it's amazing that, you know, when we have played live, we haven't done our own headline tour before, and that's obviously what we're doing this, uh, this year, our very first headline tour. But when we played in the past... Obviously, a lot of other people, musicians, have similar stories. The audience come up to you and say how important those songs were for yeah, them yeah, yeah. personally. And and that actually makes it even more rewarding. And interestingly, I was going to say, I mean, I don't want to be a hero because it's an anti-war song. has remained very topical. So every time we perform it, there's always this sense of present. It's still a present song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is the next song we're going to do, and I don't mean to jump the gun here with introducing it, but we're going to do Turn About the Clock. And that song, when I wrote it, I was a wee lad imagining what I was going to feel when I was older, reminiscing about the past. But I didn't know. And then years later, it turns out that it's become much more meaningful to yeah, me yeah. than it ever was. Would it be fair to say that you are now enjoying these songs more second time around than you did first time around? Not that you could have enjoyed them anymore. It's just different. Chris, one of the things... The advantages of us splitting up is we didn't play these songs for 30 years. Yes. So we're almost playing them fresh. It's makeup sex. That's what it is. <laughs> but it's, like, it doesn't, take, doesn't matter how long it takes to happen. It, 30 years on, the longer, the better. Well, we haven't played Shattered Dreams a thousand times or 5,000 exactly. times, which is... So that's why. Yeah, exactly. No, I get it 100%. Um, by the way, I could be completely wrong in my memory of this um, as well. And please tell me if I am. One of the reasons that we all found you so interesting from this side of the microphone is because you were different. And you weren't the only band. Flock of Seagulls, as I say, there were lots of... Um, but even the big pop acts, your Wet Wet Wets and your, and your Brosses and your Duran Duran's, they all, all had, you know, amazing stuff going on. And there was a real sort of undefined movement of the 80s and you could see why punk happened and you could see why the 60s happened post-World War Two, and then punk and what was going on um, you know in New York uh, with uh, basic socio-economic uh, issues and, and you know uh, the various governments in, and you could see the rebel the rebellion and the, the, the sort of stymied uh, energy that had to just explode you could see where punk came from but you, I still don't know with any reverse engineering head on 
where that 80s stuff came from because it there what there was where do you think it came from that as a movement well, from the, sort of 82 to about 88 one of the things was technology in the recording that's the answer yes it, it, it literally the answer, was isn't it? we uh, up until that point if you made a record you had to go in the studio record it yeah whatever you played was the record all of a sudden in the 80s it started people had little sequencers and yeah, that's it, isn't it? And then the second summer of love changed it all. Then eight, eighty eight, eighty nine, and then when you got into techno and trance, and then it all moved on. The, the sort of train had left the station. That's a, only you would not only you would know that, but I don't know that. Uh, I, I do know. Thank, thank you so much. But also when you came in, right? When you came in and you did your stuff, and then you went on the radio on roadshows and top of the pops, you did play the game. But I think it came across that you played. You were just about willing to play that particular part of the game, which is no slight on you, but we. It's another reason we all really quite liked you. Well, it's, I'm glad you said that because that is actually how we felt. And, and I think that in that sense, we were very much studio guys in the sense that we practically grew up in recording studios. So although, of course, we dreamt of being successful musicians and in a hit band and all the rest yeah. of it, our home, our comfort zone was still in the studio. <laughs> right. So we kind of, you know, we, we always went back to the studio. Yeah. That that became our place where we could be completely who we were. Which is another 80s thing, because Human League, uh, they were very much a studio band. ABC didn't play live, I don't think, until about a minute ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could play live, they just cho chose not to. You know, I remember um, ABC playing uh, various TV shows as live, but they weren't live because they'd never... Bananarama never played live. Yeah, yeah. It was I a mean, thing, wasn't it? The, the thing is, though, I have to say, Chris, I'll never forget our first Top of the Pops. And, uh, and it, part of the thing about not completely playing the game was nerves. I mean, there's no doubt. I'm much less nervous than I used to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. older and wiser and all the rest of it. Back then, I was terrified before going on Top of the Pops. And if anyone watches that first, uh, that first appearance when we did Shattered Dreams, you can see that I'm visibly very nervous. So there was also that. Of course, was there was also MTV, yeah, which yeah. meant we didn't have to go touring live. Because you were just on the TV all the time. Yeah, well, and that was all part of, um, you know, uh, Bugles Video Kill the Radio Start Again, all about the technology, wasn't yes. it? Zig Zig Sputnik. Do you remember those guys? Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. All right, so Johnny H. Jazz, guys, it's been great to have you on the show. I'm so pleased to see you again. Uh, Mike and Clark, great to see you. Nick, great to meet you. Thanks for coming in. I hope you have a great tour. Um, they're very wise they're taking July off. <laughs> I love it. See, this is the way you tour nowadays, isn't it? Uh, JohnnyHJazz.com for all the fun across the UK, March through till October, and then that big um, Christmas uh, gig on the 19th, 19th of December. Yeah, 19th of December. Yeah. All right, once again, JohnnyHJazz.com. Thank you, guys. I really um, appreciate you. I appreciate you coming in, all the effort it's taken to get here this morning, all your team as well. And what are you going to play us out with? Uh, we're going to play Turn by the Clock. Fantastic. Thank you. Life was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Clark, do you do martial arts? Do I? Yeah. No. <laughs> it looks like you do. You've got, I don't know, that looks like a proper, some kind of, I don't know. I do, F, I do F45. I d and at the end of F45, sometimes they'll film you doing something silly, and I always do a kind of oh, Sorry, what's F45? Oh, well, let me inform you, Chris. Yes. Forget about the David Lloyd thing of doing nothing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a gym. It's a gym. It's a, a hardcore gym. Forty-five minutes of hardcore. But you training. look very well. You look blooming well. Um, it's 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 so profound that you wrote that song when you did, and uh, now you are here singing it. And um, but you don't feel like the way you thought you might have felt because you're looking back and it's all good, man. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, that that's the thing about looking back that. Of course, all of us have regrets and we carry things with us that, you know, baggage that we, we, we want to deal with. But at the end of the day, it is important. This is what I've done is, is to celebrate the journey that I've had. Yep. And, uh, and it's been magical and very unusual. And the fact that we're here now doing this with you, Chris, because you interviewed yeah. me donkeys years ago. One of my first interviews. It might have been my first one was with you, with a very young Chris. And I, th- I came out and I thought he needs to get another job. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Just a better one. <laughs> yeah, somewhere else. And, and we're all exactly where we're supposed to be. That's the point of life, isn't it? Um, so once again, uh, thank you to... Let's have a let's have a controlled round of applause for the amazing Clark Dashler! <laughs> Mike Nacino! The lefty keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, keyboard, of course, a very famous vintage uh, in the eighties. You are you related? Not at all. Okay, you know what Abs- I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, I'll be honest, I don't have a clue. Yeah, Do I'm a rogue. John Keyboard? No. Okay, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Johnny H. Jazz in concert 2024, rock and roll all the way. I absolutely love it. Stay in touch, guys. You're very welcome. That was awesome. It's going to be massive. You can watch everything you've seen on our YouTube channel from 10 o'clock this morning. It's great. See you again. Thank, thank you, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Craving some great 80s music. Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. I got my mind set. Love Chris Evans. Love the 80s. 80s. Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.